This is the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. You can plan on getting better with Farm Bureau Health Plans, better coverage, better rates, and better customer service. Visit FBHP.com. We are in Knoxville, Tennessee at Fieldhouse Social with a lot of our great Titans fans on hand. We are excited to have you here as we are part of the Titans Roadshow. We are. We are. And let me introduce Rhett Bryan from Titans Radio, the ever-reliable one, and also Amy Wells. Glad you're both here. Glad to be here. Glad you could make it to K-Town and to Fieldhouse Social. Better believe it. I heard there was good food, so I'm, I came running. Well, it's right behind us, the most important things. What is it? 1250 burger and a beer. Well, and yeah, that sounds like my kind of place. It's this is perfect. It is your kind of place. Let us introduce our special guest. Will this be your third? 30th year with the Vol Network? Uh, in some capacity, yes. Okay, because be 94 year. was your first – Peyton Manning's first season was your first season. I was the call screener. I was – that was my role was to answer the phone and find out where Tom was calling from and what question he had. So okay. that was there. On the air, um, co-hosting Vol Call started in 98, mm -hmm. and I've been there with that show ever since. Okay, and then you started the website VolQuest.com what year? January of 2000. And it's gone through a couple of different companies. You're now part of the On3 family, which seems like a good thing to be. Yes, back with uh, a lot of my good friends and people I was originally with back home in Brentwood, Tennessee, with, the, uh, with Shannon Terry and that crew. Uh, it's been a terrific tran uh, transition for us, and we're excited about where it's at and excited about what the future looks like, the ever-changing future of the web. All right, so I need to say his name, but you already know who it is. It's Brent Hubbs. And we are so excited to have him with us in Knoxville. He only had 36 straight Mondays of all calls. So <laughs> on his first Monday off, we call him to be part of the OTP. Well, I mean, it's, it is the OTP. You also mentioned there was food. You're also at Fieldhouse Social, yes. by the way. Best tater tots in Knoxville. Good to is know. Is that true? Uh, that is true. All right. And terrific wings as well. I'm a huge fan of Fieldhouse Social. It is um, – this is one of my favorite places to hang. And, again, it's to be a part of the OTP. Well, Brent is going to join us for night two of the draft, Rhett. We are looking forward to having him as part of our uh, analyst crew with you and Coach Mack and uh, getting a chance to be on our Titans radio stations for picks 32 through 101 on night two. Can I tell you how excited I am that Brent Hubbs is going to be a part of this? Because if anybody knows – college football players, recruiting and those things, and there's going to be a ton of Southeastern Conference players taken in that night in rounds two and three, but there's going to be some volunteers too. <laughs> hey, cool. And I got paid. There's, <laughs> there's, there's your in the tip. mail, literally. There's your tip. All right, <laughs> seriously, it's going to be fantastic. I'll though. tell you this. Reps pulls down, and he's got this three-ring binder notebook here. I've got a lot of work to do. All right, well, let me tell week. you this the story. <laughs> i got a lot of work to do. Let me give you the background. Amy Wells is going to be in Kansas City with Ashley Farrell. They will be at okay. the draft. All right. So they will be joining us uh, throughout the course of night one, mm -hmm. and we're excited about that. Ramon Foster is also doing night one with us, and we're very excited about that. And then on night two, when you join us, it'll be you paired with Coach Mack and Rhett. And how many players have you broken down on tape with Dave McGinnis? Uh, 309 total. But we've really started to hone in on about the top 150. Because that's what we'll yeah. cover. Yeah. 
I mean, they've done film study, wrote notes, went to the Senior Bowl, went to the Combine. It's a real thing. Oh, I, I, I'm fully aware. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, I'm not sure why you invited me, well, but I'm looking forward. <laughs> I'm looking forward. Well, to being a, there. <laughs> a, the thing is, I know you dig the draft. I love the draft. I, I, know, I do. And, I love the draft. And you also, you know, the comparison that I've made for years, and I'm so thankful that Titans fans have gotten this way, is they are about the draft, the way Tennessee fans and other SEC fans are about recruiting, and. A lot of the stories and the carryover are things that you will hear in draft weekend about these same players. Yeah, no doubt. And, and everybody, you know, the beautiful thing about recruiting is, uh, and, and now that it's so different than it used to be. It used to be it was on Sunday. You just call a kid, was the visit good, you know, and, and you move on to the next one. You covered it in a very short window. The creation of the web with recruiting has created the ability to tell kids stories because you're covering these guys all year long. Instead of covering them in a five-week window, five official visits, who's your favorite on a Sunday night, you know, where are you visiting next week in January, and we move on. Now you're getting to know guys. And so everybody has a story. And these guys' stories on draft night began on a high school field somewhere. Right. And so that story carries for multiple years, and I think that's exciting. That's, I love to tell people stories. And the, the part of that, too, is that they can tell their own stories through social media now, so you can start to pull at the thread that way, and then somebody like you is able to find out a deeper detail and then take it even further. Yeah, it should be. And, and again, I think, I think everybody's story, regardless of where you're from, whether you are the five-star guy who is supposed to be there, Okay, let's look, at, let's look at Bryce Young, for example. Okay, Bryce Young's supposed to be where Bryce Young is on draft night, right? This is no surprise. This is not. He was, I mean, he's from the famed Major D in, in, in California. He was, he was groomed as the next this or that at some point. The, the, you read the high school breakdown of him. Doesn't get rattled. Great, you know, movement in the pocket. Has a great pocket presence. Really good when the play breaks down. What, are, what is Coach Mack's evaluation of him? Guess what? Doesn't get rattled. Moves well in the pocket. Is great when the break, play breaks down. Makes good decisions. Those guys' stories are great. And then you have other guys' stories who aren't supposed to be here. And suddenly they find themselves getting invited to Kansas City, and it's kind of the, how in the world did they get here? And that story's fun as well. Well, let's take it a step further. There are some stories about draftees. I'll give you one in particular. You, you probably know the story. But Derek Hall of Auburn might not even supposed to be on this earth, and he is. He was born extremely premature. His mother was given options. She said, yes, let's hang with it. He was putting on life support his first week of life. He would spend five months in the hospital. They didn't know he could walk or talk or anything or else. Or see. Any yeah. of that. Yeah. And this guy's going to be a, a top 100 selection. He had 19 and a half sacks and a great career at Auburn. He's going to be an NFL player. Absolutely. It's and, amazing. And, and that's the fun part, you know, and, and that, those are the things that jump out to me. I love the story of Keon White from Georgia Tech. You know, here's a guy from Raleigh who goes to Old Dominion, didn't make the Shrine Bowl, didn't make the high school all-star game in the state of North Carolina, which is kind of the precursor if you're going to be a big-time college player. Not only does he go to Old Dominion, he goes to Old Dominion, plays two years at tight end, Okay, they didn't even think to move him to defensive end. He's a tight end at Old Dominion. 
Okay, it was Old Dominion, Virginia State, I think, were the two finalists for him school-wise. Then he goes to Georgia Tech. He goes in the portal, and, and no offense to, the, to, the, to, the univer- to Georgia Tech University. It's a fine institution. But he was not Jared Verse at Florida State that everybody came calling when he went in the portal. The best he could get was a Georgia Tech team whose coach was on the hot seat and probably not going to make it. He ends up going there. He's been invited to Kansas City to be in the green room on draft night because somebody said, hey, let's play you on defense and see what happens. And he's now at one of the most important positions in the NFL as a rushed in, and everybody's got him on their first late first-round pick somewhere. Well, that's because he's a total freak. Absolutely. The, the thing, <laughs> but the but thing he was is, a freak I, for the Monarchs. I, well, <laughs> he was 225, 230 pounds out of high school. Yeah. Now he's in the 280s. They worked him out at the Combine at stand-up linebacker. And so he can play rush end in a 4-3. He can kick inside to play tackle. I mean, essentially, he's that jack-of-all-trades like a Danico Autry is for us who can just line up anywhere. And you're like, it, it, you know, line him up at nose guard. What's going on? And it, body type doesn't matter. You know, situation, what scheme you're in doesn't matter. He is just a home wrecker, and that's exactly what you want to see. Yeah, and, and again, the story, the journey to getting there, Rhett, is such a story because it's not the normal path. There it's is, it's 180 degree opposite of Bryce Young. Brett, there, there is individual as – the person's involved mm-hmm. as their DNA, as your DNA is as different as yours and mine or anybody here. Do you have a better story that you like from the recruiting days of a, of a recruit that jumps out to you that you think is going to be an interesting one that we're going to hear on ESPN and NFL Network a lot? Well, I, I hope that, that, and selfishly, it's because I know him and have gotten to know him. I, I think the Byron Young story for Tennessee is, is a fascinating story because he comes out of high school in South Carolina, and he goes to one of these strip mall prep school places. And it's not his fault. He goes there, and it gets shut down. And so the NCAA punishes him. He's got to set out his first two games at Tennessee. But even before he got to Tennessee, everybody knows that he was working at Dollar General. He was out of football. Okay? And that's unique. You don't see that, right? He's assistant manager at Dollar General. He sees the flyer. He goes and tries out. And there you go. The part of the story that gets left out about that is he had to quit the job at Dollar General because he couldn't work a day shift because he had to go to school and go to practice. But he still needed money. So he worked overnights at a gas station. Circle K, right? At the Circle K, he's working overnights while going to school, while practicing football. Because he couldn't pay all of the bills that he needed to pay. So what do you do? Hey, I'm going to grab a nap, and then I'm going to go to Circle K, and I'm going to work. And now he finds himself in the co- at the combine as one of the fastest defensive and is a unique player. Where he gets drafted, where he fits, I don't know. But those kinds of stories I love. I love the guy who kind of pulls up his bootstraps and finds his own way the way he can. I, I think he's a – I think that one is a really fun story because I've got to know him and I understand what it means for him to be to this point because it's not a place he even really remotely thought about three and a half years ago. Now let's talk about a guy like Darnell Wright. He's someone you followed from high school all the way through his career at Tennessee. And he is all of the sudden, it feels like, being talked about as like a top 15 pick. He has just made colossal moves 
Does that surprise you? Y yes and no. Yes, fr no from the standpoint of physically he always had all the tools. All the measurables are there. Guy can dunk a basketball. He can drop, step, and dunk. He's got long arms. He's got size. He can run well. He's got all the measurables that you look at him and you go, hey, that guy's, that's a pro. He's a pro guy. And he looked like that from day one, you know, when he got off the bus. Like, that's, that's a pro guy. Surprisingly, yes, because of how much he's matured during his time here. I had a chance to go to Huntington, West Virginia, and, and deal with him when he was a high school player. He never wanted to be, he never wanted to be interviewed. Okay, to get him in the recruiting process, there was no text message, there was no DMs, there was no call his coach and get him on the phone. If you wanted to talk to him, you had to get in the car and drive to Huntington, West Virginia. And you had to basically corner him and pin him down. And the first time I talked to him, I'm sitting at the end of the bench, I'm sitting on a bench with him at midfield at his high school. And he turns to me, he goes, can I ask you a question? And I said, sure. Why in the world would you want to drive all the way up here to talk to me? Huh. And I said, well, you're a five-star high school player who can go anywhere in the country you want to go. He goes, well, maybe I want to interview you. Ask me anything you want to ask me. <laughs> I'm still going to interview you. But, but he says, I don't get it. I don't grasp why everybody wants to know my every move of what I'm doing. And I think his biggest transformation has been that and understanding he is a big deal. And there was a point in time where he had a real hard time kind of grasping that. Mike and I had a conversation about him. He never did interviews at Tennessee. Didn't like the media, didn't want to deal with the media. So nobody knew who he was. He was as big of an unknown at the Combine from a personality standpoint. Is he ready? Does he fit? All of those types of things, people were like, is the guy a jerk? Is he a bad dude? Is he strange? Right. I mean, yeah. what, what's the story with him? And so he's had to overcome that because of that. On the field, he got – listen, when, when he got to Tennessee, where Tennessee's roster was, there were about four guys. Wanye Morris, who's another guy in this draft. Darnell Wright. Bryce Thompson, who left earlier, who was a corner, who's been with the Saints, in and out of their practice roster, active some. And Elante Taylor, who was a high draft pick for the Saints last year. Those four guys, basically, the day that they were issued their uniform, was it were issued a starting job. It's yours. Now, you're a high school offensive tackle, overweight, out of shape, and you get handed the job and say, hey, go play tackle in the SEC. And it was tough. He got beat up. He was just trying to survive. Glenn Ellerby comes in. New staff comes in. Darnell's not the most trusting individual. It takes a while to earn his trust. Glenn Ellerby earned his trust, and when he did, Darnell really took off. And I think Darnell has now matured into the position that he's worthy of the first-round pick that he's going to be. I think he's going to be a really good football player in the National Football League for a long time. Durability is a huge factor with him too, Rhett. Let's pivot to another guy who is another big-time deal who is probably being mentioned now as a first-round pick, and that's quarterback Hendon Hooker. Um, You've watched him over the last two seasons. What is it about Hooker that makes him so special? Smart, the intelligence factor, the processing factor, the, the ability to process decisions. Um, I was with him on Saturday at the Orange and White game, and I'm standing down in the field, and I'm doing interviews for the Vol Network. And so I flag him over. I say, hey, let's, let's, can we do something right quick? And he said, yeah. And I thought I'd be really cool, and, and my, what I wanted him to do, we were about 40 yards away, and I wanted him to discuss, talk on air, about what 
goes through once the ball is marked or the, ball, the play is over till the ball is snapped. What all do you have to do? I think this would be neat to figure out to fans. So I said to Hennon, I said, Hennon, I want you to walk me through kind of what happens here. And before I, got the, before I got to say at the end of the play, he's 40 yards away. He goes, oh, they're in a light box. He never ID'd the Mike linebacker. Light box, we've got twins this way, tight ends here. Given the box, that's an automatic option to, to run the quarterback draw here. And it was, it was instant from 40 yards away. And I went, oh, okay, that's different. <laughs> and I think, I think that's Hendon. I think the, the, the idea of the ability to process quickly is something that he has won over with everybody when he sat down and, and spoke with him and visited with him. Um, because he can't throw, so you can't pick that part of him apart. But you can get him in the film room. You can get him on the board. And I think it's a quick decision. I love this idea that's out there that he only had one read and all this other stuff. <laughs> okay. I, every Sunday night, I watch the NFL on NBC, and Chris Collinsworth is like, we'll go to the next-gen stats. Sorry if that's not a sponsor. I shouldn't say. We're going to go to the stats. Yeah, we just lost sorry. them, but don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and Aaron Rodgers' average hold time of the football is – 3.1 seconds or You know whatever Chris it is. Collinsworth owns I that, right? Yes. So yeah. he, g he goes through this. PFF. Right, he goes <laughs> through this number, right? It's three point whatever. What, I mean, is anybody going through four progressions in three seconds to get rid of the football? No. I mean, no. You wouldn't think. It, it's all pre-snap. It's all reading and then immediate decisions to make. I think he makes really fast decisions, and I think that's what helps him in the NFL as much as anything. The knock on him. And the reason he didn't win the job over Joe Milton was he was, he was checked down Hendon. He was the guy who just chunked it down. He didn't press the field. He didn't stretch it vertically. He was kind of the check down guy at, at Virginia Tech. It was kind of chuck Charlie it check yeah, down. Yeah, it was Charlie check down, a little bit of that. So he got here, Tennessee's quarterback's coach, Joey Halsley, told him, if you don't rip it, you're not going to have a chance to play. You're going to have to rip the football. And if you throw a pick in spring ball, I don't care. Rip it. Turn it loose. And once he got to the point where he was like, you know what? Let's go. Let's turn it loose in this offense and see what happens. You see what happens. And, and I, you know, I'm fascinated to see where he goes. I, I am uh, because I think he's so driven. He's so singular focused. You almost have to tell him to have fun and relax a little bit. Um, he is clearly on a mission to, to, to show everybody he can play in the NFL. I think somebody's going to get a really good leader and a really good football player. I really do. I, I, he's tough. Um, physically, he can take a hit. Uh, he makes quick decisions. I think he sees the field well. I, I just It's fun to watch him grow because, again, I didn't give him a chance. Like they w Tennessee went and got Joe Milton because he wasn't good enough because they didn't think Hendon was good enough. I mean, they went out and got Joe Milton. And if Joe Milton doesn't hurt his ankle against Pittsburgh, because what it, happens? It was yeah. Jeremy Pruitt who got Hendon Hooker here, not the present staff. Absolutely. It was, it was Jim Chaney and it was Jeremy Pruitt. When he, when he trans committed out of the transfer portal, we're all like this. What? <laughs> <laughs> did, did it, what? We're hitting refresh. Is this real? You know, you start making phone calls. Is this, I mean, like, it was out of the blue. The day Jeremy Pruitt was let go, Hendon went to the complex and threw. Wow. He went to the complex and he went to work and just said, 
whoever the next guy is, I've got I've got to make it work. I'm here. This is where I'm going to play. I'm not jumping ship again. I'm going to go to work, and and he's absolutely done that, and he's emerged as a as a terrific leader. That was you could tell it last spring. That was his football team, and it was his football team, not only in the practice field, but it was his football team in the complex. It was his team on the airplane going to road trips. It was his football team, and he presented it and carried it that way. It wasn't cocky, but everybody followed what he did. That counts, and that's something that I think has resonated with GMs, coaches, coordinators, position coaches, as he's met with all those guys throughout the NFL. So from the surprise of Hendon Hooker and what he's been able to do throughout this pre-draft process to maybe another surprise, I don't know, I want to get your input here. Cedric Tillman is getting a ton of press right now. And as we get closer to the draft, he's getting more press than even like a Jalen Hyatt. Does that surprise you? Yes, it, it, it does because Hyatt put up such big numbers. And the NFL is all about that vertical, big play guy, it seems like. And there's been such a run on receivers the last few years. I should have mentioned Cedric Tillman earlier in one of the fun stories or one of the surprising stories in recruiting. Here's a guy from Las Vegas, Nevada, who is going to have an opportunity to walk on at Southern Cal or Utah. That, that's what he's got going. He was like the 400th rated or 500th rated player in some recruiting services out there. He's got nothing. Tyson Helton gets hired to be the offensive coordinator here on Jeremy Pruitt's first staff. He is the brother of Clay Helton, who is the head coach at USC. Tyson gets to looking at this roster and is like, what? Where, where are the people at? we got to find some people. He calls his brother and says, hey, do you know, there's no transfer portal at this point. Hey, do you know anybody hanging around out there or whatever? And he's like, well, we got this kid that we're going to think about maybe walking on. He doesn't run real well, but he plays at a really famed high school in, in Las Vegas, and, you know, he's put up some numbers. So, you know, it's a guy we're interested in. Tennessee calls him, visits with him, offers him a scholarship. He commits without ever seeing Tennessee. <laughs> he comes from Las Vegas and to Knoxville. they had never seen him, Dude. right? I mean, right. It was, he was a body. Like, mm -hmm. look, here's the paper sign. What? We'll, we're going to get married. I mean, it's literally like the old blind date. Yeah, I mean, there, it's yeah. it's it's going and getting a mail order bride is what we're doing there. <laughs> I, mean, I was going to say buying a house, <laughs> but like, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's well, <laughs> well that too. Well, if you want to go that way, but yeah, it is the I like yours better. It is the OTP. Let's have a little fun. We're right? going out there, yes. <laughs> and so he gets to Tennessee, and he doesn't do anything. I mean, he, he just he doesn't make a lot of plays. He doesn't run. He just, he just doesn't look like it's going to fit very well. You're like, okay, this guy. Anytime he went on the field, like, you're in the press box. You got your binoculars on. I'm spotting. Cedric's on the field. Let's find the running back because it's a run play. <laughs> they're going to run it. He's a good blocker. They're going to run it. They're going to run it because they're not going to throw it to, to Tillman. That's just, that's just the way it was. So he goes through spring ball with, with Josh Heupel. Orange and white game, this would have been two years ago. He catches a touchdown pass in the end zone on a really nice catch, a little diving catch, sliding catch. And it was like, light bulbs for everybody went off. <laughs> he went crazy to work. They went, okay, he can probably help us some. They go into his first year. He doesn't get the ball very much the first couple of games. Florida, they lose the game. And he goes to the coaching staff afterwards. And he doesn't go Keyshawn Johnson. It's not give me the damn ball. It's not one of those moments. But he goes to the coaches and says, I want to be a bigger part of the offense. I think I can help us. I want to be a big – what do I need to do? What do we need to do to be, for me to be a bigger part of the offense? 
Valus Jones slides into the slot. All of a sudden now Tillman's the outside guy, and all of a sudden numbers start popping up like crazy. And that's where we are with him. As a player, Mike pointed this out to me at, at the pro day. I don't know if you got the numbers in front of you on his 40 time. It's the first 10 yards. Mm -hmm. He runs really well in his first 10 yards. The 40 time, he's not a long strider, going to take the it's top off at the end. Four, five, three. Right. But the first 10. The first 10 is like a one, five, nine, which is outstanding. That's in the ballpark with some really, with some Whoa. more high end guys, right? You're talking about a guy who's almost 6'3 and 219 he's, pounds. Yeah, or he's 6'3, 213. Yeah. And so you're not going to be able to muscle him. And he's going to be able to get off that line of scrimmage quickly as well. Runs good routes. Yeah. Really, and he has a really, I think, Red, he has a really nice catch radius. He is not a guy that the ball has to be right on the hip or right in place. He can go maybe not the most athletic, like going to Randy Moss, you type deal, <laughs> but, but, but he can high point the ball well. He knows how to box out with his body pretty well. He's got a pretty big catch radius on him that I think some teams are going to like. Well, and Brent, he is in the perfect window right now in this year's wide receiver draft. It's littered with guys that are six feet and under 170, 180 pounds, and there's a handful of big receivers. Most of them aren't as proven as he is. There's A.T. Perry from Wake Forest, and there's Quentin Johnston from TCU, but he's got film against the best the, the, the world has to offer in the SEC every week. Well, you go look. He put up almost 200 yards against Keely Ringo at Georgia two years ago. There it is. I mean, he, he put up – Keely Ringo's name is going to get called at some oh, point in this yeah. draft. Oh, yeah, early. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's done it against – I was watching um, some stuff on him, and I went back and watched the Alabama game. The first his, – his year where he was healthy. He didn't play 21. this past year. Yeah, yeah 21. A couple of really – I mean, he caught slant across the middle, got popped a couple of times. He was the guy people, they knew the ball was going to him because that was kind of where Tennessee was at that point. There was a play here and there, but it was kind of, let's get it to him. That was the comfort level. And he found a way to, to, to muscle people. He made a couple of really nice kind of circus catches, you know, found the ball in the air really well. I think he's going to be a nice pickup for somebody. How high he goes, probably higher than I initially thought because I think he's run the football better. I, I, like, I like where Cedric Tillman's at. And I think you're right, Brett. There's not a lot of him. Some years you got five of those guys. There's not a lot of those types of guys this year in the draft at that position. Brent Hubbs is our guest on the official Titans podcast, the OTP, coming to you from Fieldhouse Social in Knoxville. Also tell these good Titans fans, these great Titans fans, that SeatGeek is now the official ticketing partner of the Tennessee Titans. That's right. The deal is finalized, and SeatGeek is the newest member of the Titans family. If you haven't heard the name yet, get used to it because you'll be hearing it a lot more this season, whether you're buying or selling tickets to a Titans game or to any live event in Nashville, SeatGeek is the place to do it. SeatGeek, the new official ticketing partner of the Tennessee Titans, so Titans fans can fan. Rhett Bryant, as you have graded players in 2023, who is your highest rated player regardless of position i'm afraid to say it because of where we are but it's bryce <laughs> young of alabama well yeah, no i think that's acceptable I mean, it's, it's you know he didn't win here last year so there <laughs> <laughs> point well taken that's, <laughs> but, that's good but, but he's the only reason everybody was sweating at the end of the well, game i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you something they're seven and five without no him. question no question I, I mean they they played a tough schedule as they always do 
They weren't quite as dominant in spots. And if not for a missed field goal here, and a two, if the two-point conversion had gone the other way, they would have been playing for the SEC championship and been right in the middle of it. So you can tease all you want about they went 10-2, and two, which most people would take every day of the week. But the fact of the matter is he is so special. No, no, I think he goes one. Hey, listen, I go back to the week one of 2022. See him against the Texas Longhorns? Last drive. I, he, mean, I mean, he willed them to the win. 100%. I mean, and they don't knock Quinn Euros out of that game. That's probably a different story right there. But but the they Longhorn. they had to have it, and it was every third down play yeah. he made, everything he did. Here's my thing, and my question to you with him: How much does the size knock him? How much if you're a GM, if you're and you're talking about, hey, this is my ten year franchise quarterback, is he big enough to take what this league gives you each and every Sunday? Well, I think it's certainly a consideration because. Up until this week, really, he's been mentioned near the top, but the fact that he calls off his pro day tells me Carolina's going to take him number one overall. Uh, but, but let me say this, and you said it earlier with him, this guy extends plays with his body and not in the typical, not in the Anthony Richardson way, not in the way we've seen Cam Newton and all the others. Not Lamar Jackson. No, no, no that, yeah. he's not run first. He's, he's extend the play, watch it develop. Find a guy, get him. Little Mahomes, little Mahomes yes. like in that way. I'm not Off saying schedule it's Patrick, plays. but he, I mean, whenever he's running, it's I'm I'm running to advance the Off football. Off schedule plays. He's not going to run an 80 yard touchdown necessarily. Could he? Could yeah. yeah. I mean, he, but he doesn't have. He doesn't to do have that. to. That's right. I yeah. like. I like that he can do other things oh. instead of just being. Well, I mean, when you're I a little like guy, you got to do some other stuff. I like that he's not going to Houston. <laughs> <laughs> Get him out of here. I, I mean, look, if he stays healthy, he, he will be. If, if, and I've seen him take a bunch of hits, and he gets back up. He seems tough. If he can handle the con, the, just the, the beating that you take, because I don't think Carolina's offensive front's real good, right? I mean, if he can handle all of those things, I think he's got a chance to, to be a really – he's got all the intangibles of the quarterback. I'm not sure some of the other quarterbacks in the first round have those intangibles. And he's got a guy like Frank Reich to get him point. in the next phase of this. He's really done it. Well, a whole offensive staff. Right. Yeah. Jim Caldwell's right. there. And, I mean, there are some coaches on that yep. staff, man. All right, Rhett. I want to know who is your favorite player in this draft, regardless of ranking. Well, this guy's ranked really high. And I think he's going to make somebody a, a really big difference maker for the next eight, ten years, and that's B. John Robinson, the running back from Texas. He's a three-down back. The guy has uh, – the way that he can sink his body, shift his weight, not lose any momentum laterally, and make tacklers miss. He, 214 force missed tackles in three years, 104 of them last year. 2,300 yards after contact. 77 catches, only four drops out of the backfield. He's, he is the, the prototypical right now NFL three-down back. Yeah, I mean, you know, and he, you better be that if you're going to draft a running back. High. 100%. Was you know? he thought to be like that coming out of high school? No, the, 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 the versatility part was not there the, okay. the, in terms of, of him being a pass catcher and, and doing the things that he could do. I think more people viewed him as, yes, a really good high school back, a really good college back, but he was a kind of, you know, between the tackles, kind of hit it and kind of go. He had good wiggle. Nobody questioned his speed was solid, 
but his ability to do things in open space has, has is the is the growth of his game fr- from the high school because you know, he was got like, handed to him forty times a game and let's let's go right mm-hmm. I mean who was going to tackle him in high school not a lot of sophistication and let's check it down throw it to him and incorporate him in the passing game the way they have that part of it I don't think anybody saw initially coming out of high school Brent let's turn in a different direction all the players that you have watched play with your coverage of college football in this year's draft who is your favorite player not T-Rack who's here <laughs> <laughs> the 14 time pro bowl mascot um, of the Tennessee Titans you know i tell you i tell you who won my respect and we've talked about him a lot Bryce Young won my respect more than anybody did this year cuz he took a beating in Knoxville i mean he really did he won my respect a lot i tell you a guy if he ever puts it together Who's second contract in the NFL? They're gonna have to bake a. They're gonna have to write a big check for him. Is the Clancy kid from Pittsburgh? The defensive Kalijah lineman. Kalijah Clancy. Clancy. Yeah. Six one two eighty one D lineman. He's not my favorite player. Okay, I don't mean that. But to watch him play the last two years, there are a couple of moments where you go, he's a home wrecker. Like like he he's he's sending somebody to the DL. Like he he's he's taking over a series. Then there's other series where he just doesn't. You're like, is the guy on the team? <laughs> if he ever puts it together, though, it's going to be really good. Elijah Cansey is getting a lot of comparisons because of the pit and the size on the D-line of Aaron Donald. We know there's just one Aaron Donald. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know that. Right. But I talked to him at the combine. He said, hey, man, wait till you see me run this 40 tomorrow. Wait till you see me run these drills. He did it. Yeah. Oh, he he's going to he, and he's going to be a he's going to be a Thursday night pick next week. He can do anything he wants to do. The question is, wait can a minute, he wait, wait. Do you think he goes to the first round? Absolutely, he goes in the Kalijah first round. Kalijah Cansey yes, goes in the first does. round. Yes, wow. he does. Look at strong I take, know. guys. I wish we had like strong a horn guy. or a siren but, but I love, or something. I love it. Give it up. Hey, right here, Rhett. Right here. <laughs> Give it up that way. Can can some can somebody get it out of him consistently? I think is the is the challenge, right? If you do, like I said, by the time he gets to that second contract. They're going to be writing a big check because he has all he has all of it the the athletic ability to do a variety to, to do a bunch of different if things. If he's got one fuel cell, it's the comparisons or the the thing hanging over him about Aaron Donald. Because mm-hmm. yeah. he, he told me he was tired up at the combine. Yeah, I'm sure it's he like, was. Fuel in the car. Let's go. <laughs> here we go. You know, here's the other one that jumps out to me a little bit, and I love his game. Is where does Jameer Gibbs fall in this draft? What what is Jameer Gibbs? Is he a, is he just a specialty third down player and that's the only way you can really get him on the field is he alvin Kamara? that's what, what more, is jameer gibbs more of the latter than the former he, he he will draw some comparisons to alvin Kamara, and you're talking about a guy he's the next running back off the board behind b john robinson not but not in night one right he, he'll be night two probably second unless round. kansas city decides to go there like they did you know a couple years ago with a back or that somebody trades to 31 for that last pick of the first round to grab oh, him. Oh, I can now, see. I can see him with his Isaiah Pacheco. I can yeah. see Andy Reid falling in love with that toy. Sure. I mean, you said Great thing with Jameer Gibbs. No SEC offers to play running back. He comes and camps at Tennessee. The Tennessee offensive staff, who's no longer here, by the way, was like, eh, I don't think so. If we're going to recruit him, we've got to recruit him as a DB because oh. don't, we don't think he's an offensive player. No, and, and it wasn't just Tennessee. Everybody, I mean, the guy's from Georgia. He's from just outside of Atlanta, north of Atlanta. Real high school yeah. football. And, and nobody thought, like, nobody thought offensive player. Oh. And so he goes to Georgia Tech, 
And it's like, okay, this guy's pretty good. He can do. He can return kicks. He can do all these things in a bad offense. He can do this stuff. Goes into transfer portal, and every SEC coach is going, you know, hello, uh-oh. remember uh-oh. me? And he wanted to go to Alabama because he thought he had a chance to win a championship. He was tired of losing. That's why he ended up at and then Alabama. And he ran four three six at the combine. Now he's five nine one ninety nine, so that's not the you know the biggest dude in the world, but. I mean, you'll make somebody get oh pro, gosh. though. Mm-hmm. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about asking him to pass protect very much. Just, hey, you, your pass protection is you're the check down guy for me. Yep. Right. We'll get it there. We, I'm, you don't have to get in there and get big and, and all that. His arms are, what, two, two and a half inches shorter than Alvin's, oh, yeah. something like that. He didn't have the longest arms. Right. But I, I'm telling you, he is, in the way the league's played right now, wide yeah. open, he is intriguing as can be. That one intrigues me in this league. And when you talk about defensive ends, it's the kid at LSU, B.J. Olajari. Yes. That one, I think he's going to be a later get than Warby. He's going to be undervalued by somebody, I think. He's going to go Friday night, I believe. But he's going to be undervalued a little bit because I think his first couple years in the league, he's going to be a third-down pass rush specialist. That's going to be his trick. He's not going to play all three downs. Get some weight on him. Get him in a program. Get some stability there. I think he's going to be a nice NFL football player for somebody at a position that better every pro NFL. than college. I think so. Yeah, I do. I but, do. Think but at so. the same time, he is not his brother Aziz. No, 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 he's no. Not. Different player. That's that's another yeah. level up. Yeah, different player. But but BJ is a straight hardline edge rush guy mm-hmm. who's got who's got some moves. It was interesting in talking to Darnell Wright about BJ. He said when you prepared for BJ, you had to prepare for prepare for a little bit of everything. You knew he was going to speed rush you, so you had to overstep for that set, but he has some inside twitch, arm over, some inside things, whereas a guy like Will Anderson was just going to try to bull rush you most of the time, play a little different, play a different physical brand. B.J. doesn't play that way, but I think he can grow into that a little, a little bit pitch more. in the old yeah. repertoire, I, right? I, I, I think his best days are ahead of him in football. Remember, played for Ed Orgeron, left, went through a real transition down there that was tough. I, I think he's going to have a better NFL career than he did college career long term. Now, can we have a little fun? Not that we're not already having Aren't fun. Aren't you having fun? Thanks. Amy. No, <laughs> we are. Having, we're definitely great, having fun. Great but to have hubs <laughs> here for this. <laughs> this yeah, is we're wonderful. Ex- we're really excited you're here. Good job. <laughs> yeah, thanks. No. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, I would <laughs> it's like. like saying okay when you get room <laughs> reservations. <laughs> it is similar. Very similar move. Um, no, Brent, I wanted to ask you. Is there anybody going through this process now whose maybe evaluation that they're receiving, some of the hype that they're receiving, doesn't really make sense to you? I, I mean, I'm not in love with Will Levis. I'm just, I'm just going to be on, I'm just going to be on the record with that. I, Are you playing to the crowd? No, yeah. no. <laughs> man <laughs> of the people. Look, and, 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 and I mean, he, cheap I mean, pop. I mean, he, <laughs> I mean, yep. he, he might bring his mayonnaise, coffee, banana peel, Ooh. eating self to the Ooh. Music City. I don't know what's going to happen in the draft. I, I just have a hard time seeing that one translate because I don't. In watching him play twice, I don't feel as an observer, the intangibles that we talked about with some of the other quarterbacks. You know, he was at Penn State. He didn't win a job. He left. He went to Kentucky. Now, I'll say this for him in fairness out of him. He was thrown to two freshman receivers this past year. He lost a bunch of stuff from the previous year. And his coordinator was with the Rams, yeah. who's now I mean, back. He went right. through a whole lot of changes that probably made life really tough for him. But even the year before, there was, a, there was enough kind of uh-ohs. You know what I mean? 
Uh, he's pretty emotional. I'm always a little, you know, at that position. Some of that stuff you got. There's no crying in football. Yeah, you just gotta kind of keep okay. it in check just a little bit there. Um, I don't. I think he's going to be an NFL player. I'm just surprised that some people have him, kind of where he's at. I, I think a guy like Anthony Richardson, who put on a show in Knoxville, has just never been harnessed. He's never been really coached and developed. You can and see harnessed. that one. Mm-hmm. That, you can see the upside there to me more than I can see the upside with Will Levis. That's just my opinion. You're, you're an eval. Get in your spiral-bound <laughs> notebook here because you're like, I don't know what no, Hubs is talking no, no, about. No, no, I would agree with what you're saying about Will Levis. And, and listen, I, that's why I understand the hype with Anthony Richardson. No, I, I, I totally get that. One for me, and it goes back to the wide receiver talk, is Quentin Johnston from TCU. Be, it's like what we talked about with Cedric Tillman a little while ago. There aren't a ton of big physical – there is no Calvin Johnson Megatron in this draft. Right. And this guy, nearly 6'3", 212, 81-and-a-half-inch wingspan, 40-and-a-half-inch vertical leap, over an 11-foot broad jump, good short shuttle time, good three-cone drill for a guy that big. But the combat catches, they're not always there. Eight drops last year. His quarterback threw almost 40 touchdowns. He only has six of them. I don't understand it. And that's why he may fall next week. We'll see what happens. And I'm not trying to disparage the young man, but I just, for all this stuff, for a guy that rode to the national championship game, I just don't see the hype yet. All right, what about, what about Darnell Washington? What do, you, what do you think of the tight, tight end, end from Georgia? Georgia. What do you First think of, of all, him? he'd be immediately like drafting a sixth offensive lineman. Right. If you're the Titans, that's what you're looking for in a jumbo set, you know, high or, or low red zone area. Um, I, I like Darnell Washington. He's a monster target for you to be able to throw to in the red zone as well if you're not having him out there in a jumbo set. I mean, I look, look at what the Indianapolis Colts did last year with Jelani Woods, the former quarterback that, you know, was mm. tied in. They used him, and they used him against the Titans in big, you know, red zone package stuff. Uh, only this guy is an SEC version of that. Yeah, I'm curious to see how he translates. It almost feels like he's too big sometimes. Well, that's the thing. You know what I mean? Like, it, I, I'm curious to see how his game translates to the league. Who's the comp? For Darnell Washington? Yes. And that's my problem. Yeah. My problem is there really hasn't been a guy who's nearly 6'7", who weighs close to 270, who has done it in the way we've seen some of the tight ends do it sure. today. Now, he could be the first. Right. He's a remar- I mean, did you see the catch he made at the combine where he yes. basically threw his hand behind his head and it was was crazy. Yeah. It was beautiful. I mean, and, and, yeah, and it was beautiful. A, That's exactly right. Fantastic tight end class this year. I mean, oh, they're great. They're I mean, littered. I think like the kid from Oregon State's terrific. For, you know, at, at the tight end. I Sam like the Laporta from Iowa. Luke yeah. Musgrave, Luke, Sam Laporta, yeah. Yeah. Tucker Craft. I mean, oh, yeah. there's a there's a ton of these guys. I would love to see what the what some what the scouting department says about him from a physicality standpoint. At that size, Washington. how physical does how physical do they think he really plays? You talk about Washington. Yes, I'm talking about Washington. How how physical does he play? Because he was he was the proverbial big wide receiver. Las Vegas wanted all the X number of touches. Never played in line till he got to college. And obviously, he's not the best tight end or most productive tight end on that roster because everybody's going to be talking about the, the Bowers kid next year in the draft. Right. So, what do they think of him 
as a – to be that size, you better road grade some people, right? It, it, what kind of blocker is he as sure. a tight end? I'd love to know what scouting departments think of, sure. think of him that way. Right now, we need to tell you about the Duncan Rewards Program. We can't tell what scouting departments think, but <laughs> we know <laughs> that the Duncan Rewards Program gives you rewards that you can really use. No, really. Use them on free donuts, coffees, and breakfast sandwiches. And then you can use free donuts, coffees, and breakfast sandwiches to say, hey, Brent Hubs, thanks for coming, coming over and doing another Vol Calls. We appreciate it. Free donuts. Free donuts. <laughs> see, I can do free donuts. If you want donuts next Friday night, we'll have donuts there for you. I'm the only guy that goes to Dunkin' and I don't buy coffee. I just need donuts. But the, I understand. Okay. But That's I can go through all their varieties if I you want to do a rundown. I really right don't. Thanks. <laughs> uh, well, I'd, I'd listen th- to that show. <laughs> You've got seven podcasts on Ball Quest. Thank just you. Stop. All right. Join Dunkin' Rewards today. Save them, stack them, use them however you want. America runs on Dunkin' terms apply. I think this is an Amy Wells question, isn't it? It is an Amy Wells question. So I'm going to go ahead and take it. Brent, based on recruitment, their college career, whatever you want to call it, who's the player in this draft class who is maybe the least surprising top prospect to you? Who's just like, well, yeah, of course. Uh, Will Anderson was, uh, I mean, a five-star. You know, when he committed, they went, oh, Alabama got another one of those, huh? Okay. <laughs> I, mean, that's, I mean, that's what he was. Um, but he started the minute he got yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, because he's, he's, he's freaky different now. I mean, you know, he, he's, he is a guy that a lot of people say, well, and I said this to Mike earlier, maybe he's a one-trick pony as a pass rusher, but he can stay on the field for every play. You know, he doesn't have to come off the field. He's not a specialty guy. So he, w- he, would, he would come to mind. We've talked about Bryce Young a lot, but that would be – you know, that would be a guy that, that you go, okay, yeah. Yeah, he's supposed to be. So, who's the right least now. surprising that didn't go to Alabama? <laughs> 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 well, you probably go with one of the Georgia guys, right? Yeah. I mean, there's, some, there's, some, there's probably a Georgia guy out there that, that jumps out at you that way. I mean, the Robinson kid at, at Texas was a, was a really, really highly thought of guy. I mean, it, it, you know, so that's not, I don't think anybody's surprised by that one. Um, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name. The receiver from Ohio State, Jackson uh, Smith and Jigba. Yeah, I mean he was a guy that everybody knew. I mean, you know, what I'm saying some of these guys. Sure. I, I saw a stat where something like last, maybe it was in last year's draft, or I can't remember. It was like 60 percent of the five stars in, ended up ma- making. I mean, so thankfully, with it, I, mean, I think we're getting it, getting quite a bit of it right in the recruiting service. Well, now. I think you are too, because a lot of the coaches who want to say, well, they can be, they get five star, whatever, and those guys don't pan. We'll take our three stars. I tell you what, I'll take the five stars. <laughs> because, I mean, if you pick up the magazines now or you look at the websites now and you look at the five stars, the predictability in three years for the NFL draft, not four years, right. three years, the predictability in the NFL draft has gotten so much stronger over the last 25 years and especially over the last five to ten years Whoever is doing the evaluation for a company like On3 or other companies, I mean, they're clearly getting more of it right. Well, I think there's a couple things that, that's happening there. One, um, kids are so much more visible, okay? They're, they're so much more visible than they ever were. I mean, you know, nobody's watching VHS tapes anymore, right? I mean, you're watching, <laughs> you're watching the hu- – I mean, you can go watch a kid's huddle. You want to go look at the first-round projections? Go watch his huddle highlights in high school. You can go watch and see what all these kids did in high school because it's out there and available to you. So I think that – I think the other thing, too, is kids are so much more prepared for college now than they were because you don't have 
there's developmental positions, right? We talked about Darnell and some of those. But there's a lot of guys, which mentioned Will Anderson. Look, got a trainer, got a nutritionist, got that this, got that. So they arrive at college more ready to play when they get off the bus. It's easier to evaluate, right? Sure. I can watch Reggie Bush's highlight reel. You know, he's pretty good. Right. You can watch, you know, you can watch Will Anderson go, that guy can play. Right. That's not, that's not me in my, my cave down there going, well, I've got all the answers to everything. It's like I can give it to my son. What do you think of this kid? Yeah, he's good. Okay, next one. I mean, so it's a li- I don't, I'm not knocking the recruiting guys. Some of them are a little bit easier to evaluate than, than it used to be, in, in, in my opinion. Well, let's follow the Mike Keith train of thought here with give me all the five stars. Right. Has there ever been a guy that you've been following, covering, and you thought this guy's going to be a great pro for whatever reason, and he's just not? I thought Derek Barnett would be a really, really good pro player. He's not been a terrible player. He's been riddled by injury. He's had a lot to go against him that way. I watched Derek Barnett, 06, over here take over the Florida game. I mean, it was – it felt – I won't call him Leonard Little, but there were times when Leonard Little played that for three downs that nobody had a nobody could do anything with Leonard mm-hmm. Little. They could do nothing with him. Derek Barnett had moments like that in 06, you know, when he set the sack record at Tennessee. I thought that would translate. I didn't think he was Miles Garrett who was in that same class with him. And Miles Garrett was a freak show beyond, you know, he had some things he had to get right in his head, but physically Derek Barnett was not that. But I thought Derek Barnett was big enough to play the run. Could be a three-down guy, but could really rush the passer well uh, for a long time in the NFL. And it just it didn't translate for him early. He got beset by injuries after that. I don't know why, Rhett, but it just – I thought he would be a, a better pro, a more impactful pro than he's been. Well, and, and the physical part of it with him was what we would hear in evaluations and, and you know, just looking through things the year he came out was – that both shoulders and whatever, that it would end up wearing him down quicker. Now, he's had other injuries than that. But, yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, I thought, A, he got drafted high because he's, you know, a terror up front, and he'll do so well for somebody, and I agree. He has not done as well as I thought he would. Now, we mentioned we are here at Fieldhouse Social in Knoxville. We are. And it is burgers and beer night. Mm. Maybe you're not a beer guy. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're not into beer. Maybe you're into wine. Like Brent. (laughs) He loves fine wine. Many people don't know that about him. He should know about the Foolish Club. Well, let me tell you a little bit about it, Brent Hubbs, my new wine aficionado friend. Because I'm I'm assuming there's no boxes involved in this, right? Well, there are boxes involved in this. Let me tell you more before you guys keep rushing. No box wine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, it's not box wine, but the wine's talking talking about. It was there, and it It just went. It it just went way over over his head. Trying to get through (laughs) the lead. No, they come in a box. (laughs) My God. It's I'm okay, just trying Amy. to read I'll be quiet now. Go ahead, Amy. Trying to read Turn everybody things. else's mics off. Just let her read this. <laughs> this is important. The Foolish Club is really the official Titans wine club, and they are handcrafted Napa Valley wines in bottles, not boxes, and they are <laughs> exclusive to the Tennessee Titans. So as a member of the Foolish Club, you get the wine, you get private events, and you get complimentary tastings. If you go to foolishclub.com, you get three or six bottles you get to pick, and it comes in a box or a crate. That's how you receive your bottles of wine. And they come twice a year, so you get your wine, you get other benefits too. If you join the Foolish Club today, your whole wine game will be elevated, I promise. foolishclub.com to learn more. 
Rep. Bryant, I've got to ask you a question about something I've been reading about. Okay. We've been reading a lot about this S2 cognitive test, S2. Uh, when did it replace the Wonderlick for quarterbacks, and why is it reportedly hurting a guy like Stroud from Ohio State, C.J. Stroud, right now? Well, first of all, I would lie to you and tell you I've known about this for years, but I haven't. <laughs> I honestly, I didn't. He, the first time I ever heard about the S2 uh, cognitive test was about six months ago. And I'm like, well, that's why I haven't been hearing about quarterbacks or whoever's supposed Wonderlick test. And so it's a couple of guys. It's a Nashville-based company. A couple of really smart guys put this together. Nashville, Tennessee? Yes, Nashville, okay. Tennessee. And the amazing thing about this is it's not just for sports. It's for neurology, for, for super science, and determining uh, early factors with MS, with Alzheimer's, all these things in the medical field. But what it is is this test is to – check someone's speed and recognition and decision making like a quarterback must do in a very small window of time on Sundays and uh, since 2016 there's been like 4,000 guys who've taken the test uh, and, and it really started coming to light when Brock Purdy the third string quarterback became the starter for a good chunk of the season for the 49ers last year who scored in the 97th percentile in this because he aced it he aced it well, guess who else aced it? A guy we've been talking about all hour, Bryce, Bryce Young, Young, 98th percentile. And reportedly, like Lance Zerline reported this last week uh, on his podcast, reportedly C.J. Stroud did not do well on it. C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson, I've seen reports where both of those scored between the 80th and 90th percentile, which uh, to me doesn't sound bad, but uh, apparently if you ace this one, you, you've got something at quarterback, whereas it's Wait a not minute, wait a minute. Amy Wells with a strange look here. Okay. No, uh, no, I think this is great. I'm wondering if anybody has checked on Ryan Fitzpatrick now that the Wonderlick is not a thing because his whole, like, party conversation starter is his Wonderlick story. Right. It's all he talks about. Right. He scored like, a perfect he score, right? Yeah. 48? No, he's 48 when he scored. 48 out of but Pat like, McAnally scored a 50. But, like, is he okay? <laughs> <laughs> Do we know? What like, I mean, about this? this yeah. Is, this I is mean, about what's he going to talk to people about? Quick decision-making, retention, yeah. all of that. It's not about – there's a train headed to Knoxville to come to the next Dunkin' Donuts and, you know. It's <laughs> good. How you're doing this. And, and, yeah, and, and Whataburger or whatever. Oh, we're going to get going. It's 70 miles an hour, and it goes so many feet per hour. How long does it take? Right. It's not about intelligence quotient. It's about decision-making, retention. Which is the job. All of those things. I mean, it, it's, it's, not a, it's not about how big you are. It, it, at that position, it's about how quick you can – See it, decide, and go. Reportedly, Hendon Hooker did very well on it. Reportedly, Will Levis did very well on it. Joe Burrow had a 97 Joe Burrow is another one who, yeah. Well, and, and here's what happens. Right, you just mentioned Joe Burrow did well on it, right? Pretty good player in the league, right? Yeah, yeah, Everybody wants the next one, right? Yep. Brock Purdy, who came out of nowhere, did well on it. So what happens what happens now with the league? It now becomes, for so many people, it's a copycat world. Well, if those guys, did, you, that, that's the thing. That, that, that is the thing you got to have. That, that's the, the measurable for a lot of people now because of the success those guys are having. Well, and Lance Zerline quoted something that I've heard two other NFL draft analysts quote, is that in the seven years that it has started to become the standard with quarterbacks, 
no one to this point who has not done well on it has been a successful NFL quarterback. Wow. That's so a they telling got a little stat. bit of a track record. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. At, at some point, somebody will blow that out of the sure. water, as yep. they always do. There's an anomaly. But we, we keep reading about and learning about the S2. Yeah, and, and again, everybody is trying to figure out some metric to analyze someone's decision-making yeah. under the gun, under pressure. Sure. But you the know? thing is, this is used in medicine right. to determine, do you have the early marks of multiple sclerosis or something, you know, some horrible things like this that are actually helping uh, early detection yeah. of these it's a, things. It's a fascinating it's a fascinating thing that's got a much bigger yeah. scope mm-hmm. that the NFL is, has tagged into yes. to help themselves. Well, yes. not surprising that with Nashville being the healthcare capital that it is, that it would be developed there. That's a good point. Yeah. All right. Lightning round, Amy Wells. Love a lightning round. OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plan. It's not my strength. Vi- <laughs> oh, come on Visit now. FB- I like to ramble. <laughs> Visit FBHP.com to learn more about our friends at Farm Bureau Health Plans. We start with Brent Hubbs on this one, then Amy Wells, then Rhett Bryan. Here is the question. Based on need, fit, and every other factor, who is the most likely Tennessee volunteer to end up a Tennessee Titan? I'll go Darnell Wright. Darnell Wright. Because yeah. you need an you need you offensive tackle. I'm going to go Darnell Wright. That one's mine. Darnell Wright. The Titans need it. He could be there. Three for three. Wow. Mm-hmm. I had it written down. All right. Lightning fast. Red Lightning Brian, fast. Red Brian gets to go first in this one. Based on need, fit, and every other factor, who is the most likely SEC player? Now, we've already talked Tennessee. But yep. who is the – play the game, right? <laughs> who, who is the most likely SEC player to be the first player selected by the Tennessee Titans? A guy who had a nice week at the Senior Bowl. He had a good combine. Nearly 6'2", 220. Giant hands, pretty good wing, ran a four four six forty, really good in college uh, as a productive receiver, and that's Jonathan Mingo, Ole Miss. Wow! 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 Good player. Well, that, I that mean, that's going to be a third rounder, though, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, I, I like the Jonathan Mingo, Amy. Um, I got mine solely from Jim White's tour of the mocks, which is my Bible this time of yeah. year. So <laughs> TennesseeTitans.com if you want to check out Jim White's the roundup. The great Jim White. Yeah, yeah, of all the mock drafts. Broderick Jones, offensive tackle from Georgia, is a guy who has consistently shown up on Ooh. the mocks. I like him. He could fit. I wouldn't mind if he was a Tennessee Titan. Mm. And that fits the SEC player qualifications yes, of the game. Check, check. Uh-huh. What do you think of Broderick Jones? Well, if you're not going – if you're not going offensive lineman at 11, mm-hmm. I, I, I think I think Broderick Jones makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Let's but I think Broderick Jones is going to be – I think he's – I think the tackles are going to come off pretty quickly. Yeah. So, I think they're going to rise. I think if you're thinking you can drop back to 18 or 20 and end no, no. up with one of those guys because they are so safe in this draft where there's not as much safe at the top of the draft. Mike, we may live in a world next week where Broderick Jones gets taken ahead of Paris Johnson Jr. Yeah. Or, or, what a time to be alive. Peter what Stronsky. a time to be alive. Yeah. Or Darnell Wright may go ahead of all of them. Yep. Because it's not about what's in these mocks. It's about what's on people's boards. Bingo. And there's probably one of these teams that is just absolutely salivating at the 
at the prospect of getting Darnell Every right. Every one of those war room boards are different. There's 32 of them, and yeah, it they may be that may be their favorite flavor of ice cream right there. All right, Brent Hubbs has to answer this now. Oh wow! Who I is? Was, Let me repeat the question. Fill, I was trying to filibuster <laughs> as long as I could on this. Well, Mike, read it slow. <laughs> Who is? <laughs> who's the most likely SEC player to be the first player selected by the Titans? Uh, I, I, I could see, I could see Cedric Tillman. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I think you, I think you, I think you guys could use a receiver. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah I think you good. could use a receiver. I think he's a big body guy that fits, uh, fits a lot of what, what you may be looking for there. I can see, I could see that a receiver taken um, there. I, I think, I think Cedric may go higher than Jalen Hyatt, which I didn't think that three weeks ago, four weeks ago. You know, Brent is a big fan of the outdoors, and he loves and he loves burgers, like at Whataburger. Uh, Magellan Outdoors and Whataburger are teaming up again for a limited-time collection available only at Academy Sports and Outdoors. Get ready for summer fun with exclusive clothing, drinkware, hats, outdoor gear, and more. Shop now at academy.com or in-store, only at Academy Sports and Outdoors. I All right, a Whataburger the other night, and it was fire. Strong. Yeah, it was really mm. good. All right, Amy. You go first on the last one. Trade up in the first round, make the pick at 11, trade down in the first round. Which do I think? Well, that's, the, yeah, that's the idea. <laughs> <laughs> I was buying myself some time. I think they trade down. Do you really? I think they trade down. I think that picks are currency and the Tennessee Titans could use some. I think they trade down. There will be a lot of talent a little bit later in that first round. Ooh, Brent gets to go next on this one. It makes total sense what she's saying. Now, here's the thing. You, you've got needs in a lot of places. Have you fallen in love with, with somebody? That's it. That you're just sitting there going, you know what? We love this guy, and we're not going to take a chance on him being there, not being there at 18, you know, or 15 or 20 That's or right. whatever you moved in. Currency and picks, I totally get that. you got a lot of needs. But, I, you know, does, does the head coach, you know, do, do, does the, the scouting department, the GM, everybody say, you know what, we're not going to pass on this guy. We think this guy can be a franchise guy for us, and we're just not going to take that chance. With that in mind, I will go opposite of Amy and say you hold Pat at, seven, at 11, and you pick Ooh, at 11. Okay. Right. Rhett Bryant. Trade down. Trade down. It's, it's an eternity from pick 72 to pick 147. Not only is there a – whole day separating it but I, it, it's 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 a long time to be sitting there watching guys fly off the board because again this is a, a draft where you know the pick in the 40s all the way to pick 150 is going to be some pretty good stuff in there and you not having a stop gap after 72 I think it's important well and it's important too because as of today the Titans have signed veteran linebacker Ben Neiman who has played in 79 NFL games Four years with Kansas City, a season with Arizona. He's been a starting linebacker. He's been a backup linebacker. He's played teams. All of those things are true about Ben Neiman. The most important thing to remember today as we discuss it is the Titans only have 61 players on the roster. They've got to get to 90 by training camp. That means they need a bunch of rookies for training camp. Some of them will be undrafted, granted. But... They need as many draft picks as they can, which is why trading down makes sense. But Brent's point, Brent's point is really spot on because the thought about this draft is where there are usually, on average, 
between 20 and 25 first round grades, meaning if you look at the collective 32 boards and you average them, in most years they're between 20 and 25 first round grades. This year the thought, and we heard this from Jim Nagy at the Senior Bowl, mm -hmm. and we've heard it other places, there are less true first round grades in this draft. The thought process, there may not be many more than 15. So, you, if you're at 11, you have a chance to get one of those exceptional players. Well, and Mike, to further the, the theory, and I think Brent you know, could certainly be right, let's say four quarterbacks go before the Titans pick at 11. Well, now that's like picking at number seven overall. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, here's the thing. What do you do if Jalen Carter's there at 11? <laughs> I, I'm yeah. going to tell you something. All this talk about Jalen Carter's going to fall to 25 Ooh. ain't happening. Ain't happening. I mean, he may have Would issues. Would you put him up there with Jeffrey Simmons? Oh, but, but I'm saying if, if something like wow. that happens, do you just say, we, we can't? Forget it. I mean, I don't think he gets by Seattle because I think, I think that's – Oh, he's got, a, he's got Pete Carroll written, written all, all over, over him. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> he, he, is, he is a Pete – that is a Pete Carroll kind of and, guy. Well, yeah, and they'll have somebody live with him who, you know, drives him <laughs> everywhere to practice and make sure he's on time that's, for everything. That's, yeah, he's a Pete. He is, Listen. He, he, yeah, I don't disagree I mean, with that. John Robinson might be the best player in this draft, maybe, but Carter is a dominant player. He was a five-star coming out of high school, and – he is a dominant player who doesn't have a lot of tread off the tire because that rotation at Georgia is so great. So, I mean, if he's sitting there at 11, Amy, there, I, I, I mean, that's, a, that's potentially – or somebody like that, I guess, is what you There are some people that I think every team or a lot of teams designate as, like, tear up the, tear up the board. We got to look at what we were doing here. You know, if so-and-so falls to this point – We've got to reevaluate everything. I think there's some of those hot names for every team, and they're different for every team. It is, in your opinion, is if it's not a quarterback, then there's nobody that you say, I'm holding that 11 because this guy, I'm taking this guy at 11 because he's a must, outside of a quarterback? Well, I, and I'm not just talking about the Titans. I'm talking about for, yeah, for other well, franchises out there, it too. It depends on what, who you have number one on your board. You know, if you're a team that doesn't need a quarterback and, you know, let's say Jalen Carter's your guy and he's fallen to that point, you know, common sense says, all right, there's a guy. Well, and the beauty, too, is let's say there's a quarterback that's still there that the Titans aren't in love with at 11. And someone makes a phone and call. And somebody makes a phone call because they are in love knowing that Houston has 12 and if Houston does what's being reported, and I don't really believe it, but <laughs> there's there are a lot of people who think they're going to take a Will Anderson or Please somebody. Let it be true. At, they're going to let it, they're going to take a Will Anderson at two, and then try to take the quarterback who falls at twelve, or maybe they're going to deal up a little bit, take the quarterback at nine. I don't know. But bottom line is, if you've got teams sitting there wanting the quarterback, then eleven. If if the quarterback's not your guy, then eleven becomes really valuable just like in the Patrick Mahomes Deshaun Watson draft where teams came up to 10 and 11 to get those two guys so do you think do you guys think that people that teams because there is a perceived lack of first round picks in terms of numbers and what people are labeling a first round pick do franchises do they listen to phone calls more this year 
than in other years of the draft. I don't think they listen more. I think they listen every year. Yeah. I think they would I think they can get more for one of those picks to move down because I think a team that picks up the phone is more in love than they normally would be. Hmm. And so they'll play ball. And Brent, a lot of those conversations started that week at the Combine in right. Indianapolis. It's a great Everybody point. knows everybody. I coached with this guy or I've known this guy or whatever, and they, they go to dinner together. They, Hey, man, if, if I could, would you? I just, I'd like to thank Brent Hubbs for being here tonight well, at Fieldhouse Social. Can I ask Social. one more question? Well, you can Please. in a second, okay, but thanks. we're on the verge of, we've done the longest game in NFL history, oh, and now we've I'm done sorry. the longest podcast okay. wow. in NFL I'll history. I'll ask ask your question. Now. Just keep going. We've already blown the record. <laughs> so what do the Jets do if the Aaron Rodgers thing doesn't happen? Where do they go draft-wise now if, the, if they don't get Aaron Rodgers? It's going to happen. <laughs> they would have to go quarterback. because So they've got to trade up? Oh, yeah. 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 They would, Their they phone's would, ringing, right? Yeah, they would have to. And the Jets, uh, they let's have, see. Do they, they have 10? Uh, the New York Jets have six picks, but they have. They have 13. They have 13. Back, they have, they yeah, have, they've got to go up. If that doesn't work. Well, they've got back-to-back picks in the second round. But the whole thing is, I mean. So you've what, got some. But what yeah. the Packers are doing is beautiful right now. And if I read one more of the columns about it, it's not fair. What's that? <laughs> it's, it's a business. No, he's going to yeah. go. He's going to go. But you're going to sit there. If you're the Packers and you're already taking the cap hit on your top 51, which they are right now, you know. Yeah. So what do they care if it goes another week because – the Jets are in the – they're backed into the corner, totally backed into the corner with their fan base about this Aaron Rodgers thing. You got Mike Greenberg on ESPN, who's the biggest Jets fan in the world, and he's talking about jumping or cutting off fingers or do. I mean, he is – I mean, it's – he's gone crazy if this doesn't happen. But if you're the Packers, what do you care? You nope. want – hey – you want those two twos is what you want. 42 and 43. You want those two twos because then they'd have 42, 43, and 45. You can package or you can corner the market very early in night two. That's what you want. You don't just want one of them. You want both of them. You're not going to get a one. Right. But you want both of those twos. The Packers have the Jets in the palm of their hands. Sure the longer do. this and goes, great. I think Aaron Rodgers is in New York, and I think Lamar Jackson stays in Baltimore. Oh. But what do we think? It's awkward. As the longest OTP in the history of OTP. <laughs> I say we keep going. We, we can go all, night. go all night. I don't have any place this to be. This be good. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, when I work with Mike, it was a four-hour show. Is, is that not what we're doing? <laughs> there you <here>? go. <laughs> is that not uh, what we're doing? We had doing? to fill a lot I'm of time. I'm really into it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just keep it going. We had to fill a lot of time. Um, <laughs> when's the, when's the 30-minute break to make a uh, run? <laughs> we had the 30-minute break. We had the 15-minute news. <laughs> and Paul Harvey. The traffic guy who would go <laughs> seven <laughs> minutes. Yeah, it was great. Um, <laughs> The, what were we talking about? <laughs> we were talking about Baltimore. Thank you. Yes. What does Baltimore think about the Jalen Hurts contract that happened earlier today? Does it help Baltimore because it sets a parameter and now Lamar Jackson sort of has to come to the table? When or, it wasn't fully guaranteed, I believe that or, would be the or, case. Or does Lamar Jackson just say, you offered me that, three months ago or last fall or whenever it was, I'm still holding to my guns because you've made me so mad in this process, now it's about principle. Well, yeah. and it, what, what does Munkin think, right? The, the, the offense 
that was there with the previous coordinator was all built for Lamar. Yep. Is that what Munkin wants to do? That's not what they did at Georgia. He was very pro style. It was very tight in. It was very play action pass. What does Munkin want to do as an offensive coordinator? Does he think he can fit Lamar Jackson into that? And then conversely, is Jamar, Lamar Jackson's agent out there telling him, listen, man, I've made a bunch of calls around the league. You better take what you can get right here because the best deal you got going is the Baltimore thing right well, he here. he doesn't have an agent. No. Well, that's right. Okay. Well, that's I mean, one that, of the reasons why yeah. this has taken. His mother true. is involved, as she well, has been from the start. Yeah. <laughs> and, including his high school recruitment, by the way. Really? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Was that a dandy? Well, she one of those moms? <laughs> well, he went to Louisville. Hovering, yeah. I mean, hovering, no, no, hovering. She's a no offense, but out of Miami. Yeah, I mean, he went. He ended up in in Louisville from Miami, passed a lot of really good schools along the way. Who wanted him? Uh, well, they liked his talent. Not sure they wanted all that came with him. Okay, because we got some drama. They got a little drama, and there we're seeing. We've seen that drama in Baltimore the last few well, months. I've right? Rhett, I've asked Rhett the question: Is the drama killing him right now with potential suitors who are out there? Talking about NFL teams. Well, I, it ain't helping him. And I, honestly, the fact that he doesn't have an agent, I think, is a big problem in this. Well, because it gets – and I said this in talking to Baltimore's play-by-play announcer uh, at one point. I said, do you fear that something gets personal at some point? And he said, yeah. I mean, he, I mean, he said it 100% that he feared. And this is when things were Fine. happy and wonderful a couple of years ago. But, man, I think you always want to have an agent just so you're able to step away from it. Well, it seems like in the same breath that we're saying, well, it's a business and, you know, everybody's got to do what's best for themselves and their parties. On the other hand, it seems like he has just burned every bridge that he can and all of a sudden, you're in a situation where the Ravens aren't happy. He's not happy. How are these two people going to, or these two parties, I guess, going to go forward and not have things that are lingering? Oh, yeah. I, Having well, some uncomfortable moments, to put it mildly. And, the, here, and then with the, all that other, like, go forth into a football season, how do you lead a locker room? And see, that's why I say it's it's a big mistake on Lamar's part for not having an agent in this and going back to the drama thing because at the very least, not only can this person facilitate a deal for you, but he serves as a filter. If you're your own guy, you may hear from the brass exactly what they think of you, and it may put a burr in your saddle. Well, you may never get over it. And here's, here's the other thing, too. If you have someone who represents you, they can also speak on your behalf to things that need to get leaked out there. He got mad because the narrative was out there that he was heard all the time. Mm -hmm. Nobody could respond to it but Lamar. So then it becomes a personal thing, what Amy's talking about. Whereas if it's Team Lamar, they can create and craft and spin spin. something. He can't do that. That's a great point. That is a fabulous point because a lot of where this whole thing is right now with, oh, so-and-so's the number one tackle or so-and-so is is this guy. It's all agents. It's agents. (laughs) And it's agents spinning narratives to get things sort of filtering the right way. The teams don't care anything about that. It's where we get all these announced contract right. numbers. It comes from the agents. Well, and that's to make them look good right. because they just got their guy all this money, which is great. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's got to have a job. There's nothing illegal about that. But 
if Darnell Wright is the first tackle that comes off the board, there will be some people going, it's a huge surprise. Why is it a huge surprise? Because you've read all these mock drafts of these people who have no idea what's on a board. And I love the mock drafts, and I think the people who are doing them are, are good at their job. But the only people that count are the people who sit in that room and build those boards, and you don't know what they think. If, if the Bears absolutely love Darnell Wright at nine, that's who they're taking. Mm-hmm. And that's the beautiful part of the draft we were talking about before we started the podcast here. It's the couple hu- hours ago. Yeah, it's yeah. the hu- it's the human side that you can't cover. Because mm-hmm. I don't know what Ron Cawthorn's thinking right now. Element. We I, don't. I, well, and that's the thing about it, us. And I was I was on with our buddy John Wilkerson this morning on on the Sports Animal in Knoxville on his his new time, and that's what I said about Rand Carthon. I I know, know. I, I like him. Mm-hmm. He's been very nice to me. We've had some good conversations, but I don't know him know him yet. Nope. To kind of know what's I mean. Could he go up to three? Yeah. Could he drop back to 20? Yeah. Could he trade this guy or trade that guy? Or t- yeah. I mean, I don't know. Well, and, and, and you're exactly right. And then I look at a team like the, the New England Patriots, okay? They're, they're, in a, they're in a pretty interesting transitional spot, right? They've always kind of had their draft model and all those things. Well, guess who's in the building now? Bill O'Brien's in the building mm-hmm. now. He's just come out of college. He's got a pretty good feel for college teams. He's been a part of running a franchise in Houston and messed all that up, but there were some things that went well, okay for also, a little while. He won the division right. four times. Right. So, so now yeah. is their draft philosophy, does it take any kind of shift with where they are? Do we see them draft differently than we've seen them in the past? Because they have always been, hey, let's pile picks. Right, we're going to pile up some picks. Do they go a different approach this year? And that's where I don't think the Lamar Jackson to the Patriots thing is crazy. The same way the the Lamar Jackson to Indianapolis thing doesn't feel totally crazy is because this is a guy who put a system together in Houston for Watson. And, and I mean, he was able to come in and play it right away. Got hurt very early in his rookie. Bill O'Brien takes a bad rap because he traded DeAndre Hopkins and he did a couple other things that weren't great, still can really coach and still can really coach offense. Well, and you know the first thing he wants to do, because at some point he wants to be back in the lead chair, right? He that's, will. That's where we're getting there. So he wants to, as quickly as he can, put his fingerprint on the system up there, on, on his system, right? That it's not, it's not just the Belichick way and it's not just right. from all these – former coordinators who went on to be head coaches and didn't pan out for him, right? I mean. I just wonder if Mac Jones isn't, isn't traded somewhere on draft night. Ooh, that Wouldn't would be surprise spicy. Me. That'd be a move. That would be spicy. But, but I'm curious as to where, because you know he's got carte blanche, right? Mm-hmm. Bill Belichick's going, hey. From the owner. I, yeah, and from the owner. We know you. We trust you. Fix our offense. That's right. Get it going. And they've got 11 picks, by the way. Which is the Bill Belichick wife. Yeah, so they can yeah. package that, and move hey, and do that. They collect really, picks and then they hey, don't yeah, ever They do can collect with all them. these picks and take rugby players when they had Tom Brady <laughs> at quarterback. That's right. Yeah. Got to fix it. Yeah, I mean, if they don't get the quarterback thing straight, I, I mean, he's going to the Hall of Fame. He's going to end up winning the most games of all time. He's a great coach. There's no question about it. But he ain't winning anything else including his division, until they get the quarterback thing straight. Right. And those are, two, those are two franchises, Baltimore and New England, that have quarterbacks. Now, Lamar's Lamar right now. We don't know what's going to happen there. Matt Jones. But they have new coordinators. Do their coordinators believe 
that those quarterbacks are the leader of well, their system and their franchise. We find out the face on of it. We find out in ten days. Yep. Yes. Be on eight. Isn't it great? I'm so excited. All right, Brent Hubs, thank you so much for the time. We thank appreciate you, you and uh, remind everyone that our draft coverage on Titans Radio uh, begins at six central at Sixth and Peabody, presented by our great friends at Pinnacle, and that will be Rhett Bryan, Coach Dave McGinnis, myself, and Ramon Foster. Amy Wells from Kansas City with Ashley Farrell. And then on April the 28th, we're joined by Brent Hubbs from On3'sVolQuest.com and nearly 30 years with Vol Radio Network. He will join Coach Mack, Rhett, Brian, and me at 6 o'clock for rounds 2 and 3. Thank you so much to all of you for being here tonight. This is great. Thank you for staying awake. Uh, Can I ask a question before we go? Hang on just a second. The longest podcast in NFL history. Um, but it, I, I feel like it's been very entertaining. I, I, I'm hungry now here at Fieldhouse Socials. So I know. Yes. It smells delightful. Yes, in I here. hear a lot about the tots. The tots? I it saw some like nachos. I heard that a couple hours great. ago. Yeah. Yeah, three to five hours what do you ago when say, we Amy started Wells? this show. Yes. Well, I was just going to say something small. More it's ask now you dark out, by the way. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, wanted to ask you while we're here, while we have a captive audience, um, and so you have to answer the question. Okay. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Keith has joined social media. No. Yes. I know. Can we all get excited False. about this? False. No, 100% he has. False. true. He's on Instagram. Ooh, and, uh, did he have a Jennifer Aniston type day? Did well, he go like to a million right out of the gate? No, well, th- we're working on it. That's why we're <laughs> okay. here, right? Okay. That's the whole sorry. point of what she's bringing. <laughs> no, but he really if is I on Instagram. I could get a picture of Jen- Jennifer Aniston, I <laughs> no. could go to a million. <laughs> I thought she had like a breakdown or something. And I was like, oh, God, no, it's fine. Um, no, but seriously, why, why now? Why have you decided to do this? You finally pulled the trigger after much public outcry. I don't know that it was much public out. Did you not see all of these people cheering for you? So they're now looking for <laughs> 10 voice on Instagram. That's T-E-N-N voice. 10 voice. Um, because because I, I've had the opportunity to talk with uh, some of our great Titans fans who have said that you get to go to a lot of cool places and do a lot of cool things and do it with cool people. And why don't you share more of that? Like and pictures or it didn't happen kind of thing? Pardon? Like pictures or it didn't happen? No, kind I, of don't, I, think, I think it's just a matter of let's show folks, uh, let's give the people what they want. And I saw somebody on Saturday and uh, had a great experience with him, and it made me realize that I should be working at this some. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on Instagram. Mike Keith did it, ladies and gentlemen, and everybody's on their phones right now. Like, everybody. This is great. Mike, Mike Keith. Keith's Instagram story. There you go. My Instagram story. But I, I'm still learning what stories and reels oh, are. Yeah. Oh, it's Hubs it's is very basic. <laughs> because it is he, rudimentary. No, Hubs has known me 30 years. <laughs> but he great. did it. Yeah, he, he, he's a highlight of my day. Uh-huh, yeah. We took two hours to get to this. It should have been question one. I know. I'll just sit here in disbelief for the last hour. Y'all would have had to listen. To me, ramble. Burying the lead. That's okay. We we <laughs> wanted to have the longest podcast in NFL history. So we did. Do it. I need to get a T-shirt made up for that, like I did for the longest game in NFL? It's history? entirely up to Yeah, it's okay. Yes, I'd wear it. <laughs> well, it's a really good show, Hubbard. We appreciate you being Thank here. Thank you for having me, guys. And appreciate it. I think everybody understands why we want you on the second night of the draft. In all seriousness, your your insight uh, to so many different guys and programs and stories going to add a lot. Coach Mack is Coach Mack, and everybody loves Coach Mack, right? Yes, I mean, he's yeah. – he, yeah, you can clap for Coach Mack anytime. He's the best. <laughs> he knows it. 
<laughs> He's very aware of it. Uh, we're all aware of it. We're thankful for him. And Rhett Bryan does a tremendous amount of work. And I'm so excited, Amy, that you're getting back on the road to go back to the draft for the first time since really 2018, because in 2019, the draft was in Nashville. Yeah, in 2019, it was here. So it's uh, or it was in Nashville. So I'm excited to be going back, getting back into the madness of draft weekend. It's crazy. Um, but I can't wait. I'm excited to be in the thick of it, and I'm excited to share all of that with Titans Radio. Well, we need to cut this off before curfew hits. Um, <laughs> the, the police are here. They're going to kick uh, us out. So <laughs> thank you to Fieldhouse Social. Thank you to all of you for being here and our friends at the University of Tennessee. Uh, the Titans Roadshow is going swimmingly, and uh, we'd love for you to come out and see us, uh, whether we be in Chattanooga or Murfreesboro or Memphis coming up. Uh, for Brent Hubbs, for Rhett Bryant, for Amy Wells, I'm Mike Keith. Thanking you for joining us for the OTP. Tighten up, everybody. Welcome to the big show where the legends go. Everybody knows it's our house.